Are you ready for Chicago Bears football? You are listening to the Bears Bonanza Football Podcast. Stop it. Hosted by Bull Bearded Beauties, Gal and Danny Boy. You're the pride and joy of Illinois, Chicago Bears, Bear Dumb. Last off. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Bears Bonanza Football Podcast. We are here to talk about the offense this week. Finally, the team is in pads. They are practicing with fans. Bragg's in the stands was obviously there, of course, worth mentioning. Um, exciting stuff, man. Lots to go over. What are some of your basic feelings about what we saw in the last few days? So... I have to say, I don't want to be too, I'm not worried yet. So let me just kind of preface that. But I didn't really like what I saw from the offense uh, from FanFest yesterday. Um, You know, a lot of the problems, particularly on our offensive line, and we'll get into the offensive line a little bit later, still exist. There's still a lot of sloppy route running by the receivers, which was there last year as well, apart from Mooney and, and, and Robinson. Um, and our secondary, to me, looked terrible, just terrible. We talked about that a little bit last week. The bright sides, though, I mean, Justin Fields looks amazing. <laughs> and uh, Andy Dalton looks surprisingly amazing as well. I mean, he looked really good. So that's that's something great, but those that that line and that secondary makes me reevaluate what I think the destiny of this team might be based on what I saw yesterday. Yeah, the the Tevin Jenkins injury is certainly troubling, just because you need them to gel. And so, of all the talk about who's going to start Week One in terms of quarterback, I mean, do we really want Justin Fields out there with that line? Now, you had some really interesting. Uh, conversations and back and forth with folks on Twitter saying, well, if we didn't have that line, maybe we would want Fields out there as a more mobile kind of quarterback. But it is a bit troublesome that we don't have that depth. We have a bunch of no-namers right now. Yeah, I mean, Dwayne Parker, and you're forgiven if you don't, if you're listening to this and you're like, who's Dwayne Parker? Uh, you know, he's out there with the ones. You know, this is a un, this is a UDFA and he's out there with the ones playing right guard because James Daniels couldn't go yesterday. He left practice early. On the other side of that guy is Alex Bars, who's filling in for Jermaine Effetti on the on, on the, at the tackle side. And these are these are the starters. These are the ones. These are not. Uh, this is not like the third stringers with uh, with Nick Foles. I mean, Dwayne Parker is not even going to make this team, or he shouldn't make this team, because he's not a pro player. You know, so it, it's deeply concerning that when you see these guys playing with Andy Dalton um, and, and they also play with Justin Fields because there's just not enough bodies uh, to, to put out there. It's, it's, it's troubling that, and we've said this for two years now, it's great that we drafted Tevin Jenkins. And listen, Larry Barham, I think, is, is going to be a player, but not this year. But we have had a systemic lack of investment in offensive line. And at some for years, point, that's that, right. Yeah, for years. And then every year, this seems to bite us. And it's not the fact that we don't have five good starters. We have five pretty okay starters. We have no depth. And I think that's, you know, we'll get into it in more detail. But you see it on full display here. What, like, yes, the, the defense is get, it's in the backfield all day. Um, it affects the quarterbacks. But, I mean, thank God the secondary is complete dog shit. So that, you know, they're still making these sick passes, I guess, right? 
Indeed. But Indeed. yeah, it's, it it doesn't it didn't fill me with joy, so I'm not worried yet. There, there was a lot, but of, I'm on the journey. Place, there were a lot of plays yeah. where the the pass rush just didn't touch Fields or Dalton, and I mean they would have got destroyed, right? So oh yeah, and I I do want to note that yeah, one of Bragg's videos you saw you know Justin Fields get out of the pocket and you know, that get a little nice, you know, throw across the middle and end up going for 20, 30 yards. But the person who responded to that post was like, okay, you really missed the real story of this, of just how that offensive line just crumbled and the D was in there in a heartbeat. And exactly. if that was real play, that, that ball wouldn't have been thrown. I mean, it would have been destroyed. The play would have been destroyed within seconds. It's well, not is, very encouraging. <laughs> okay. Well, but yeah, so this is, I, I don't think I responded to him, but I mean, I think this is where I come down on it. It's like, if your offensive line is really going to be this, then you have to have some mobility at quarterback because you're not, we saw it with Nick Foles, the brain can only take you so far, right? You, you're yeah. you're going to have to be able to physically move your butt here and there, right? So, and then you're going to have to call plays that, you know, are, are in that reality. Um, so I, I, I'm more and more convinced that Dalton shouldn't be the guy starting. I mean, I see like in training camp in San Francisco now, Trey Lance gets one series with the, with the starters every practice. So Jimmy Garoppolo is their starter. That's that, that they have not, they have not moved from that. Jimmy Garoppolo will play this year. They have 25 million essentially guaranteed to him. So they can't get rid of him. He's going to play. He's going to start. He gives them the best opportunity to win. Fine. But they're still giving Trey Lance at least one series a game, a practice with, with the ones. We should be doing the same thing, right? And because what at, at some point you have to question, what are you learning about Justin Fields when he's throwing to Riley Ridley, a guy who can't run routes, and Jesse James, a guy we just picked up? Wouldn't it be better to give him one series with Cole Komet and – Darnell Mooney and Allen Robinson, just one series, one series of practice. I mean, you know, I, um, I, I do think it's inevitable. I, I do think it's inevitable. The fact that this was the first outing with fans in the stands and, um, and there's so much optics around this quarterback question, especially that pace and company have bungled the position and the decisions around the position so often that perhaps they're trying to kind of reduce any sort of, heat or chatter of quarterback competition. So I definitely see that playing out over the course of camp. I definitely see well, you, it would be silly and you'd get so much criticism, not giving fields uh, some time with the ones. I mean, but they're doing it though, right? That stupid. They cannot be that stupid. I, I refuse to believe it. I'm in denial. Maybe I refuse. But that's exactly what they're doing. It's a binary statement, right? Either they are giving him time with the ones, or they're not. And right they now, will. they're not, right? Okay. No, maybe. I mean, maybe regular. Maybe I mean, the preseason yeah. starts next week, right? So when is it going to be? Right. It, literally, it starts next week. Next Sunday is the first preseason game. So when, like, when is this going to happen? Right, are there any reports? Happen. Are there any reports in earlier in camp of him going with the ones at all? No, he's never played with the ones this entire time. He's no, not not right. one snap with the ones. Right, so listen, first week, I get it. Right, you know, it, you're just doing walkthroughs. There's no contact. It doesn't make much of a difference. But now you're working on timing, rhythm. You're you know you're really starting to like test these guys on the homework that they did the pre the, the previous week in terms of onboarding them to the playbook. And now the players that you're playing with 
and against makes a big difference. I mean, listen, Roqu- like Ro- uh, sorry, uh, Justin Fields doesn't see Roquan Smith because that's happening too, right? He doesn't see Khalil Mack. That's happening too. So it, it goes, it's not just who he's playing with, it's who he's playing who he's against, playing against. Yeah. right? Like, and he's not getting that experience. And all I'm saying is just give him one of those series. If he stinks, then you can feel okay. All they right, will yeah. have to succumb. I mean, they will have to succumb. There is no logic. Fine. They could create their story that Dalton QB1 and going into the regular season and not get everybody up in arms if you give Justin Fields a series. But, again, we've seen very silly things with this regime. And, really, it doesn't inspire a lot of confidence. I, I really – this – already, I mean, we're all just, like, just so pissed that we're like, you shouldn't have got rid of Charles Leno. And yes, yeah, okay. we all had complaints <laughs> about Charles Leno, but the thing is, you have no business getting rid of the guy when you don't have depth on the line. And everybody knows it. This is the problem with the team is that we never want to be in that situation where we're like, okay, I'm the novice fan sitting in the stands or from my couch, and even I see it. Like when you're running Cordell Patterson on third and one instead of David Montgomery with the hot hand. If we see things as so obvious, and of course, what is it, the you know armchair fans? But it's like, dude, come on, guys. Come on. Give Justin Field uh, <laughs> just a series. Yeah, it, it's all yeah. right. I'm glad you're let, – let, let, let's move <sighs> on to our offense preview. Let's start with the offensive line. And I do want to bring up Charles Leno here um, because I think, you know, so we cut Charles Leno. Um, and then what happens right after that, okay? So Charles Leno had a theoretical max salary of $4 million. Every dollar that a team gives over $4 million is actually a savings to the Bears. That means we don't have to pay. So teams don't, particularly NFC teams, are not going to want to pay more than $4 million. Generally, players don't get more than their theoretical max once they get cut like that, like post-June 1st. That's traditionally what's happened. That's, that's what happened to AP. That's what happens to a bunch of players. Okay? So that's just a little context. What happens after we cut him? Charles Leno goes around the, the league to like four or five teams, like freaking LeBron James like interviewing teams, like a, like like he's some some kind of superstar, and then he gets an offer for five and a half million dollars, which is one and a half million more than any team had to pay him, right? So he got that money because you know why? The other there's no left tackles on the market. There's nobody. The other guy that's there is Eric Fisher. The last time we saw him play was two years ago in the Super Bowl, where he was getting not last year in the Super Bowl because he's with the Kansas City Chiefs two years ago with the, in the Super Bowl uh, with, with uh, Kansas City. He blows out his ACL, is thinking about retirement, doesn't want to play, is deeply out of shape. Well, he gets a one-year $10 million contract. That's the left tackle market, and that's what we were railing about. You don't give up a guy like Charles Leno with all of his inefficiencies. We are not standing for Charles Leno. But there is nobody, there is nobody out there that you can replace him with. Can you imagine how much better the situation would be if we just had Charles Leno? I mean, a guy like Charles Leno becomes a game changer on this team based on what we see right now, a complete game changer. Yeah, well, yeah, when you're comparing him to, like, Alex Bars and Dwayne Parker, (laughs) he's so much better than those guys. You know, he's so much better than those guys. And I know there's a small community of people who love Alex Bars. Listen, Alex Bars works because he plays like a series here and there. You know, he's not a reg- – you put him on the field for two games and you will see why he's not a star. Why Harry Heastan was super respected and Juan Castillo, who's super respected, 
think that thought they both thought that Rashad Coward was better than Alex Bars. So don't tell me Bears Twitter that Alex Bars <laughs> is some kind of a solution. All right, please. You have two Harry Heastad is like you know you listen to what Olin Krutz, the best center in football in the two thousands, has to say about Harry Heastad, how he speaks about Harry Heastad. You know that's and 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 because the reality is yeah Rashad Coward stinks, but that doesn't mean that Alex Bars is good. Harry Heastad said that <laughs> Rashad Coward was better, and, and Juan Castillo thought he was better. And then the guy on the Steelers, I can't remember his name now, the, the offensive line coach there, thought that he was okay as well. Because the market is terrible. There's no – every team needs nine offensive linemen, every single one. So the competition to get these guys is so fierce. I mean, I find it hilarious and kind of pathetic, Bears Twitter, sorry again. You know, when – when Bears Twitter is like, oh, Morgan Moses is free. Morgan Moses is free. We got to go get that guy. It's a huge upgrade. Well, you do realize, guys, that Morgan Moses was cut the day after Charles Leno was signed because Charles Leno replaced him, right? You get that. And, and, the, and the Redskins are sorry, not the Redskins. I should call them the Redskins. I'm sorry. How they dare thought, <laughs> They thought eating five and a half million to get rid of Morgan Moses and paying Leno five and a half million dollars was a good idea, right? So, and, and you'd think Ron Rivera knows something about football. He's a good coach, right? I don't know who their offensive line coach is, but I trust Ron Rivera. He's won everywhere he's gone. So, you know, to me, it does come back to this point. Like, there's a conceptual problem on how we build the line. And, again, we're not saying that Leno is great, right? I mean, like, you don't think Charles Leno's great, no, right? I mean, we, we all were frustrated. <laughs> we were frustrated with his play, you know, the false starts, but then we knew – he was serviceable, but some people felt, you know, addition by subtraction. But you don't get that luxury when there's really no serviceable type of lineman in the league. So it's, um, you know, I hear the addition by subtraction, but it's like, no, now we're seeing it. And now the thought of Justin Fields out there with that lack of protection, with complete no-namers, with, I mean, yeah, you love Alex Bars, but now do you love him so much where you're, feeling comfortable with him protecting Justin Fields? That's the question. Exactly. Then it all comes exactly. out how you really feel about him. Exactly. And there's like this irrational hate towards Charles Leno, which I just never understood. Look, he's not great. He's not even good. I'm not even saying that. But please look at the left tackle market. It's a disaster zone. There's like five good ones. And that's well, it. This is, the pro- this is the problem with Twitter. It's just like everybody has opinions. And the thing is, I don't claim to know anything in depth about offensive lines. And, you know, we see what we see. I'm like, oh, another false start from that bum. And sure, when they're playing well, we don't hear their names. Okay, so the thing is, that's why, you know, everybody having an opinion on Twitter sucks. Okay, because <laughs> our opinions aren't valid. Okay, because we oh, don't understand I, I, yeah. the game enough. Yeah, I mean, it's so funny to me. Like, Brandon Thorne, who is, like, the expert. Like, I mean, you, you Olin Krutz retweets everything this guy says because he's – He's brilliant. He's, he's, you know, he just, all he does, he's a film guy. All he does is look at offensive linemen and defensive linemen. That's it. And he's so technical in his, in his kind of description. For him, he, he thinks Charles Leno is the 15th best left tackle in football. And then, like, Bears Twitter is like, no, you don't know what you're talking about. You're, you're so stupid. You're, you're not watching the games. It's like, no, actually, I work for the NFL Network, and I'm paid only to watch that guy play. <laughs> I, I've watched every snap that he's played in his career multiple times. 
I've talked how, to coaches on that team. I've talked to, you know, it's like, no, I know what I'm how talking dare about, you, you know? How dare you throw that evidence in the face of my opinion, okay? <laughs> exactly, how exactly. dare you throw that evidence in the face of my uninformed opinion? It's my freedom it's to be crazy. uninformed. It's completely crazy. It's completely crazy. And like, and you, and you think to yourself, yeah, Charles, I know it's, it's, it's a lot like having the 15th best quarterback, right? Where, you know, it's like, yeah, you're going to have to pay the guy something. But you're not totally happy that you have him. You, you're, you're hoping, like, let's say the 15th best quarterback is, like, you know, Kirk Cousins, Jared Goff, um, Baker Mayfield. You know, that kind of, that kind of quarterback. Where you're like, yeah, you know, it's, they're, they're not bad, but they're definitely not the, they're not, they're not the reason we're winning games. You know what I mean? Like, yep. And Leno is kind of in that group, right, where he's not – when we talk about left tackles, you know. But it's, it goes beyond Leno, though, honestly, right, because – the plan now, so Jermaine Effetti is going to move to right tackle. So last year, I was okay with Jermaine Effetti playing right guard. It's an easier position to play. There's less to do. A veteran minimum, fine. But now we're paying him $5 million a year to play right tackle. The last time we saw it, I looked this up. I uh, looked up Brandon Thorne's rankings. He was ranked dead last when he was with Seattle as a right tackle. Dead last. He was a 30-second guy. So how is this going to work? And it wasn't a one-year thing. For three years, he was either the highest ranking he had from Brandon Thorne was 26th. I think PFF is more or less the same. He's your starting right tackle. But you drafted a guy who's the best right tackle in college, who would also be the best right tackle in college over a five-year period. But your plan is to move him to left tackle because you cut the guy – that was that had played uninterrupted for you for four years. You leave no. And your plan is to move the guy yeah. who it, isn't it's, a it's left a, tackle to left tackle. That's your plan. Okay. It's you leave no wiggle room. I mean, that's the thing. You leave no freaking wiggle room. Everything just needs to work out. And it's like, man, no, that you need depth at these positions, and you do it so well with the defensive line, right? You just have these role players that keep coming out of the woodwork and stepping up. So on that side of the ball, you know, and then you work guys into the rotation, you know, and let some of the star players rest. And then you just don't do that whatsoever with the defensive line. You have this group of guys that if, if they play at their best and they're all healthy, this thing could work out. But if any of them <laughs> are, are a little bit unhealthier, they're not playing at their best. We are completely screwed. It's just like, why would you position yourself like that, Pace? Why? And, why? and you're right. It, it is kind of that I, – I know there's more great, there's more shades of gray and nuance sure. there, but I like the way that you put it, though, because it is really that – in this instance, it is kind of that binary. Your expectation is that those guys are going to play the best football that they've ever played and they're going to stay healthy. And then it'll, yeah, yeah, Jermaine Apetty would be a pro bowler, right? Jermaine Apetty would be a pro bowler. And the rookies would just ball out completely. <laughs> right? Even though that's never happened. I mean, we talked about it before with Tevin Jenkins. You know, 18 times it's been tried, like a non-college, a college non-left tackle becoming a left tackle in the pros. 18 times it's been tried, 18 times it's failed. So what is different with Jenkins? And I love Jenkins. I think he's great. I love him. I, I think he's fantastic. But you, you look at the scouting reports. It's like, he, what does he struggle with? Well, he struggles with like speedy edge rushers. Well, if you're a left tackle, every week you're going to see a speedy edge rusher. 
So why? So you're looking at his weakness and you're making sure that his weakness is going to be constantly exploited every week. Why? Why? Why is this a good idea? And like, this is where I think it's totally fair. Like Pace has an issue with that offensive line. He he is seeing something that you know I, I I think is just not there. Like I think, and again, I love Jenkins. I think he's great. I think when we drafted him, I thought great on the right side. We're going to have a Quentin Nelson type road grader who's just going to demolish and suck the souls out of linebackers and defensive tackles and defensive. That's what I thought, right? And with with and then with like Daniels playing right next to him, who who looked great pre injury. I was like, wow, we're going to have just huge holes on the strong side all day. But no, you know, now it's Whitehair who's going to play on the right. He's never a position, by the way. He's never played. That's another thing. What are we doing with with with, with our guards? Cody Whitehair is a left guard, but you're going to play him on the right side? Why? You know, it, you know, it's so strange. The whole line, because that, that was another kind of sub thing with the kind of Bears, like super nerd Twitter. It's like, why is Cody Whitehair on the right side? He's never taken a snap on the right. Why is he on the right side now? It's, it's, this, there's so much of concern here on that offensive line, and just structurally, conceptually, talent-wise, that I found so alarming. Like, they have not learned their lessons, clearly. That, and that starts getting me thinking, like, have they learned their lessons with the playbook and the play calling and the play design? Well, it. Because they well, clearly it. have not learned their lessons with that's the offensive it. line. They have not learned it. You got to this, see is, it this is what's especially worrisome. Yeah, exactly. Lessons learned, I think not, perhaps. So let's say if if we have a holy when i mean holy i don't mean like holy like oh i mean like holes um offensive line (laughs) so what does what happens with andy dalton week one i mean andy dalton just gets because he's not mobile so he just gets blown up all the time i mean that's what we're looking at i I feel we've had this discussion last year with Foles, right and the theory was that Foles is so good pre-snap and he is uh that he's able, he's, you know, the ball moves faster than the edge rusher. But, you know, it's a gradient and, like, you get past the red line where it doesn't matter anymore. Like, you just have to run your ass away, right? And that's not Dalton, you know? That's just not Dalton. And sure, yeah, he, he can, he's better, he's going to be better pre-snap than Justin Fields is, no question. He's going to be better probably in his post-snap processing than Justin Fields, no question. But he can't run. You know, it's it's hard to access all those things when you're on your ass, right? Yep. You know, <laughs> so I feel we had the same discussion last year with Foles. And, you know, we, certainly I, thought Foles could defeat some of it. I was wrong. He could not. He, he looked yeah, he looked awful. He looked so bad. Yeah, no chance. Yeah, he had no chance. Yeah, but I mean, honestly, if you had just a faster guy back there, I think so much of that stuff would just go away. And and at least you'd be able to scramble for like two or three yards here and there, yeah. instead of just yeah, beating a, sack after oh, sack after sack. That's a you tough know? choice, though. You know, you see. I mean, ultimately, this is man. It's never easy being a Bears fan. So we face the prospects of um, Dalton looking very Foles esque. That the line just gets blowed up, and you know, Dalton is just getting popped, and so. You're like, yeah, let's put in the rookie. Let's put in our franchise. It's like, oh, shit. And you didn't 
you didn't give him any reps with the one. So, oh, it's just a scenario. Yeah. It's just like, God, you know, yeah, Fields might do amazing things on the move, but then, gosh, I don't want him to get popped. Like, yeah, and I'm, yeah and I'm sorry I'm being, like, negative here so early. And I and, and listen, I like I said before, I was just reflecting on how I, I was spoken. I am concerned here. Like, this, it's something that you should be concerned about. Now, hopefully, these guys are seeing something – and they need to adjust, right? And by these guys, I mean Maggie and crew. But um, I'm a little worried. All right, let's talk about running backs. Um, totally the opposite story here, I think. We got a running game. I think our running back – I mean, I know Cohen isn't practicing. That's concerning, of course. I don't think yeah. it matters. Honestly, we're so loaded at running back. I don't think it matters if he's there or not. And Damian Williams could catch out of the backfield, which is nice. Exactly. Yeah, and we got speedsters, but yeah, it is a bit worrisome just because I mean this injury. It's I mean you usually are starting to be recovered by now with that injury, and he's all about having that speed and the little quickness, the cuts, the burst. So okay, yeah. anyway, yeah, it's a little worrisome for me. Yeah, I mean every, everyone, everyone's body heals differently. I mean Saquon Barkley, you know, uh, I was doing my fantasy football research, Danny, seeing with Saquon Barley, Barkley is a good value pick. He's not practicing either, right? So. He's still on the on the pup list, and that guy's legs look, you know. By the way, just just do a Google image search Saquon Barkley's legs. They're so massive, it's kind of disgusting. They don't even look human, you know. Oh yeah, uh, it's like yeah. the size of my waist. His legs are the size of my waist. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> this is the size of my waist, and my waist is considerably larger than your waist. You know, it's it's they're crazy, right? And so I mean, so he's beat up as well i mean I, I think everyone is expecting like this kind of ap story where ap just comes like adrian peterson just comes back so quickly you know but i think uh, if anything that position you can you can withstand a little bit because you know david montgomery i think is there he looks so fast he looks so much faster oh, and i know he's been working on it because he posts all the stuff to instagram and twitter about his workout schedule his diet you know he's he's gone to I think he's changed his diet completely. By the way, he's also – he's not full vegan, but he only eats two portions of meat a week. Um, and he's completely changed his um, training to be focused on, on speed. And you can really see it. He looks, he looks different. Like physically, he's so much – thinner is the wrong word. He's like sleeker. He looks sleeker, you know, and he's so fast. And I think that's going to be great. And like you said, Damian Williams – I think he's a stud uh, in the and, – and, and, and my guy, Khalil Herbert. That's the guy that I think every Bears fan should really pay attention to. He's – like, by the end of the year – here's my bold prediction. By the end of the year, he's going to be eating carries from, from Montgomery. And that's not a negative remark on Montgomery. I love Montgomery. I just really am really high on Khalil Herbert. He really reminds me of – Oh man, what's the guy's name on uh, Cleveland? It's escaping me right now. Uh, uh, no, not Nick Chubb. The the guy who plays behind Nick Chubb. Ah, um, uh, was on KC. Uh, I know. Now I just blinked. Yeah, I had he was. Yeah, he was, <laughs> he was. on KC. Exactly that guy. Okay. Oh, what's his name? Oh, he's gonna drive me crazy. Uh, but I think our fans know who we're talking about. So um, he reminds me of that guy. He's really shifty. He's really fast. Now, his catching ability is a little bit of a question, but I think that's something that can be developed. I think catching for a running back is something that can be learned as a skill. It's not something that is going to change. But his athletic stuff is just amazing. His ball vision is amazing. Just watch some of his college highlights. 
you know, behind playing behind a really bad offensive line. This guy was able to make a lot of hay. I think he's great. Okay. Any okay. final words on running back or do you want to move on to receiver? Let's go to receivers. All right, Danny, I have a question for you. We're going to play a one-minute game here, all right? Oh, God. I'm going to name a receiver, all right? So I have in front of me the PFF top 20 receivers. I'm going to name the receiver, and all I want you to do, I want you to say better or worse. And the guy you're comparing them to is our friend, Allen Robinson. You ready? If the receiver that you're going to name is better or worse than Allen Robinson. Correct. Oh, okay, that's tough. Okay, go. Ready? Corey Davis. Mm-hmm. Worse. Worse. Kenny Galladay. Now, what's the st- in terms of stats or what? Or just general quality. Overall? No, 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 just quality. Like, who would you rather have on your team? Would you okay. rather have Kenny Galladay or Alan Robinson? Maybe just say, the, instead of saying better or worse, just say the name. So, okay. if you'd rather have A-Rob than Kenny Galladay, say A-Rob. If you'd rather have Kenny A-Rob. Galladay, say Kenny. A-Rob. All right. A-Rob. A-Rob. Odell Beckham Jr., I mean, the injury history, but no, give me Odell. Woo, I disagree. I took A-Rob. Terry McLaurin? Terry is looking really good. Ugh, A-Rob. Keenan Allen? You're making me look stupid here. This is too tough, man. This is too hard. You know all these guys. Come there's on. so many factors. There's injury history. There's, like, how they play ideally when they're not injured. Like, What's do I your take gut them? reaction? Come on, you study these guys more than anyone. Come on, what's your gut reaction, right? Right when you hear the name Keenan Allen, yeah, would you rather Keenan have A Rob? Oh, you'll take Keenan Allen. All right, yeah, DK Metcalf. Damn it, this is hard because the thing is, he was so <laughs> explosive with Russell Wilson. Oh my God, he was so explosive, but then he dropped off a bit. Uh, but he's so strong. Oh my God, I don't know. He's a freak. He's a, yeah, he's an athletic freak. Uh, give me A Rob. I don't know. Arab, Amari Cooper. Ah! What are you trying to do? What are you trying to do by this little exercise? Come, huh? come on, let's go. Let's You're go. Trying to hurt me. Come on, okay, give, Amari give Cooper. Me two seconds. Um, give me, uh, give me a Rob instead of Amari. Cooper. Chris Godwin. A Rob. Mike Evans. Definitely a Rob. Calvin Ridley. Ridley. Justin Jefferson. I don't know, A-Rob. <laughs> I like A-Rob. Adam Thielen? <laughs> Enough of this. A-Rob. No, we, we have four more. We have four more. Stefan Diggs. Oh, God. I don't know. Stefan Diggs is quite the baller. This has got to be Diggs. Diggs is pretty yeah. amazing. Yeah, yeah. Michael Thomas? I guess you're taking Michael Thomas, yes? Well, what about the injury history? He's been injured. Well, sure. All right. So would you rather have A-Rob or Michael Thomas going into the season? Yeah, A-Rob. Michael Thomas, he has so much uncertainties with those injuries. All right, A-Rob. A.J. Brown? I do. Bastard. Who do you think? I would take for A-Rob over A.J. Brown. Okay, okay, that's what I thought. Okay, so... Uh, All right, so then, then we have Tyreek Hill, DeAndre Hopkins, Devontae Adams. Those guys are clearly better, right? So we don't yeah, need to go is. over those, yeah, right? Yeah. So, I mean, to me, based on that, so that, that was PFF's top 20 list, right? So you basically have A-Rob between somewhere between seven and nine in the league, right? Based on which, on that yes, little exercise. Which I feel very right? comfortable with. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Right. So PFF has them as, as Allen Robinson's number four, 
right? Whoa. Behind o- behind only Devontae Adams, DeAndre Hopkins, and Tyree Kill. Whoa. Uh, and the guy right behind Allen Robinson is Julio Jones and A.J. Brown. Those are the two guys behind him. Wow. So it's a pretty esteemed company, right? So I'm just going to read just kind of the, the, the thing that they say. After enduring poor quarterback play in every single year of his NFL career, which is such an understatement, Robinson finally has a signal caller with immense potential, throwing him the ball in Justin Fields. We now get to see what he can do with a quality passer. And then they give kind of like, you know, some statistical things, right? But I think here's what's interesting. He was tied for the most contested catches, 21, and posted a 1% drop rate that ranked third amongst receivers with 100-plus targets. Since joining the Bears in 2018, Robinson ranks fifth in drop rate, 2.2%, first in contested catches, 61%, while at the same time having the highest share of catches with inaccurate passes by 25 percentage points uh, for wide receivers with 100 plus targets or more. And I think that last one is why they rate him so highly. So he's essentially, he doesn't drop the ball as much as Bears fans would like to think that he does. It's only 2.2%. It's a binary stat. And the 25, and, 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 catching, and catching that percentage of inaccurate passes, I think is his signature skill. Like he can get to the ball in so many ways. It doesn't have to be a clean ball. It could be a dirty ball that's like, you know, you know, a Mitch ball where it's almost vertical coming out of the pocket <laughs> or like a Nick Foles duck. It doesn't matter. He's going to catch it. To me, he's the guy. I mean, I don't understand why we're not paying him. I think with a guy like Justin Fields, you should be paying him. It, you know, um, he's the number one receiver in this league. And then Darnell Mooney is a, is a guy with a lot of potential, but he's not going to replace Allen Robinson. No. So, like, not. you know, like, Darnell Mooney, to me, is more like a Deshaun Jackson type, more than a Tariq Hill type, right? Tariq Hill is just like a super freak. But, like, when I watch Darnell Mooney, he reminds me a lot of Deshaun Jackson. And Deshaun Jackson's great, but he's a low-volume, high-impact guy. I remember there was yeah, a game. I would say that's true. <laughs> there, was a, there was a game, I think it was with, when it was with the Eagles. He had three catches for 153 yards and three touchdowns. Like that's his day. <laughs> that, that's like a that's like a Deshaun Jackson uh, stat line, right? Uh, so, and I think Mooney is that that same way, right? So, the, but that's not a guy you build your wide receiver room around. He's an incredibly potent weapon. He's an no, incredibly yeah. potent weapon. But that's it, right? He's even when he develops, that's kind of what he's going to be. He's not going to be Tyree Kill getting you know 120 targets. You know, um, that's not. His, and he's so he's really thin right um yeah and he got popped at the end of last year and it was just a matter of time i mean he has such heart so he always fought for extra yards and he was just getting popped so yeah this is not a guy i even consider in the running to replace a rob it's not even a discussion point right i mean well i think there's i think it's a discussion point amongst the fan base right but i don't for me it's not i mean you like alan robinson you should pay him 20 million a year and just be done with it you know, and I understand the logic from the Bears because there's this kind of weird inefficiency with the franchise tag, where the franchise tag is actually lower than his market value, and it will be again next year as well. And in like three years, because you have so many young receivers in the league now, the market's going to look more like a running the running back market than it does currently, because all these guys are playing seven on seven leagues all year round since they're like 14 years old. But you still need a plan for these three years, and A. Rob is the plan. Uh, when you draft Justin, Justin, when you yeah when you draft Justin Fields, that's what's crazy. It's like you sign a Rob, 
you give him the guy to go to to get the you you don't try to find a guy or then wait a couple of years. You have Justin Fields on his rookie contract. You know, you don't take a year or two to try to find the guy. No, you have the guy on your team. You resign him. <laughs> yeah, it's it, it doesn't seem like it would be that complicated of a decision to me. And we have the money, which makes it even stranger. And like who are you gonna get that's gonna replace him? Because, you know, most of the guys that you, you, you were very quick when you said A-Rob a- was better than, those guys are also getting like $15 million a year, right? So it's not like there's like some cost saving. So are you forecasting that you're going to get a, a cheap player down the road that's going to replace A-Rob somehow? Like, well, how does this work? So I, you know, I said on draft day, all is forgiven to Ryan Pace, but I look at this kind of stuff and it just makes me – it brings me back to that dark time – at the end of last season, where you're like, these guys are clowns. Like, what is going on here? Known. We had to have known we were going to be back in this place, okay? You know, making yeah. good moves is great, but it doesn't replace being a good general manager, okay? Um, because, yeah, he, he's made some good moves. I mean, really, Eddie Jackson, and okay, great, but still, you know, you've missed on too many positions. You've missed on too many second-rounders. You know, Adam Shaheen, Anthony Miller, you moved up. You gave draft capital up for those for those guys you just missed on too many early round picks and then you've made also some head scratching decisions too many of those and yeah we're we're just not in a great position you know we could still be a pretty decent team 500 maybe a little bit better but it's like man it would have been so nice if you had instead of picking adam shaheen you started building up that line two three years ago i mean just certain things and now we're left with what we're left with and yeah, and the coverage seemed bad yeah, in some places, you know. I no, I completely agree. And and the way we treat these guys gets noticed by the agents of other teams. Maybe the players don't necessarily see it right away, but the agents do for sure, right? They're they're watching that stuff like a hawk, right? So that's not it's not a good look where it's it's pretty clear that he's overperformed his contract. He's a good dude, he's a positive locker room presence. For for your you have a young wide receiver room. He's a great vet. So many reasons why he's great. And I think what bothers me. Let's talk about the tight ends next, and we'll, we'll wrap it up. We'll talk about quarterbacks next week. Is like a lot of the same logic that I just kind of highlighted. He's a great locker room guy. Great for the community. We use for Jimmy Graham, you know, but we don't use for Allen Robinson. And the, so there's like an inconsistency just within the the mind of the GM on how you're approaching players. Jimmy Graham is the sixth highest paid tight end in football. You know that? It's insane. I mean, that's insane. for what? He's, he's a backup. I have some stats here for you, Danny. Uh, Jimmy Graham, guess what percentage of snaps he played after the bye week last year? Enlighten me. 30%. 30%. No, it was... It, it made no sense. It made no sense that even in the red zone, he was just off the field. It made absolutely no sense. And we weren't scoring a lot of touchdowns. So I'm like, okay, you decided to have Jimmy Graham sit in like your only red zone appearance in like months. The, the only yeah. thing he does well is line up on the outside and Nagy schemes him open for a one-on-one play Jump, uh, yeah. with a small, some small chump cornerback that's the only thing that he does he does he is the worst the worst blocking tight end in football and he was never good 
at blocking, even in his prime. He was always a bad – he was always one of the worst. Now he's the worst. He was never a good route runner either. He was so athletic, though, it didn't matter. Well, that's gone now too. You, he's a complete liability from 20 yards to 20 yards. Like You cannot play him at all because when he's on the field in 11 formation, so three wide receivers, one tight end, we pass 76% of the time because you cannot – it's suicide to have David Montgomery run through his zone because he's just a terrible blocker. Yep. So we don't even try, right? So it's, it just creates so much predictability. We talked about this last week. Uh, we were happy with Anthony Miller leaving because it creates more unpredictability in the offense, right, with A-Rob maybe going to the slot sometimes, et cetera. But, like, Jimmy Graham gives you no predictability. Everybody in the building knows that when he comes on the field, you're probably going to throw. You're going to throw three out of four times. Yeah. And if it's in the red zone, you're <clears> definitely <throat> going to throw. Because you can't block with him. So, you know, it, it, it's, 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 it's completely baffling why he's on the team. You know, you hear, oh, he's a good locker room guy, blah, 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 blah. Well, I guess that, that applies for him, but not for, for Allen Robinson, I guess. So, um, tight ends. I mean, Cole Komet, what, do you, what are your thoughts on him going forward? Well, his name came up a lot during camp, so that was encouraging. And, but we, based on what kind of tight end he is, I mean, we can't expect him to be just this world-breaker tight end, can we? And if Bears fans or Bears Twitter are, they might be setting themselves up for a little disappointment, wouldn't you say? I agree. I mean, I, th- I think he's going to be great, but he's going to be great in a kind of like Mark Andrews, Kyle Rudolph kind of way, you know, 45, which, is, which can catches. be nice, which can yeah, be nice. So, yeah, which can be very yeah, nice. Exactly. So basically you run 11 formation, you have three wide receivers on the field or 21 with two running backs in the field, but he can block really well. And he has enough versatility in the passing game where from the tight end spot, he can, you know, he, he can do some damage. You know, we saw it last year, yards after catch, He's going to be a problem. Uh, he has a limited route tree, which is fine. I mean, but his his value really is in in blocking, and then tra- and then kind of transforming those blocking into pass routes, which to me means just like Jimmy Graham is it's never going to play. I mean, he he won't see. He was only playing a third of the snaps past the bye. That's that number is going to go even lower. So, I think he's going to be great. But, yeah, 40, 50 catches. He's not a guy that you're going to have on your fantasy team. Let's put it that way, right? Uh, but he's still going to be good, right? Like, you, didn't, you don't have Kyle Rudolph. People didn't have Kyle Rudolph on their fantasy team. He's a great blocker, you know, um, and he can catch a little bit. So I think that's the right kind of feel for him. And I think, yeah, I think he's going to be really good, you know. So, but in that, just as you said, Danny, in that context, don't expect George Kittle. Right. Don't expect Zach Ertz or, or it's not Zach Ertz, uh, Darren Waller or Travis Kelsey. That's not who he is, you know, so don't put that on him. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think we'll, we're out of time, but we can talk about quarterbacks next. Actually, because I do think that's such a big topic. Maybe we should just kind of go a full 30 minutes. Just on yeah, the quarterback, and it's all that anybody talks the, about. So, absolutely. Yeah. So, Let's see how things play out a little bit. Uh, Final thoughts, my friend. So I know we talked a little bit about the offense. We saw the defense out there. The defense has been dominating a little more than camp, which is to be expected. Um, So how do you feel on this fine day going forward now? So, yeah. Yeah. So just two two quick things. You know, uh, last week was our most popular show ever. So thank you for for listening to us. Thanks. Interact with. Yeah, you can interact with Danny and I. We post the show all the time on Twitter 
at Samir5580 and, and at Dark Time for Danny. So I appreciate that, guys. Thank you. Oh, sorry. Bear's been in it. Sorry, not Dark Time. Why did I say Dark Time? I don't know. Um, so You're appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, so I appreciate that. Yeah, and so basically, I, you know, it's not real. Like the fantasy is starting to turn into reality. That's the kind of moment that we're in now, right? Where for the last six months, it's been Super Bowl dreams and, you know, ca- you know caviar. What's the, the, the caviar dreams and superstar fantasies? I, I can't remember the phrase, but now you're starting to see. Yeah, I can't remember. But you, you're, now, <laughs> you're now seeing, uh, this is that Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous show, but I can't remember what the, the tagline was for. But, you know, you're starting to see a lot of the things that worried that, that that should worry you that you didn't maybe really think about you know we were all in the Justin Fields like six Super Bowls let's get let's just get this party started the offensive line is going to magically work out everybody's going to the secondary they'll figure it out yeah maybe not so much right let's hold out <laughs> you know let's let's hold yeah. a little bit let's, here I uh, would say to feel good about things look at it as like um, a you know a rebuilding five hundred team. And you're looking for flashes because you, you have a lot of position groups that really need to be retooled. I mean, the secondary needs so much work. We haven't pulled a safety for years. So there's just, there's so many position groups that still need a lot of work. So yeah, we want to see flashes going into this year, obviously maybe even a playoff berth, but let's not expect anything too crazy because if you start looking too much into the weeds, you might not like what you find. All right. And so we got to come to terms with that and then we'll be able to enjoy ourselves a little bit and not be so damn cranky. Like last year. <laughs> <laughs> I love the way you put that. I love the way you put it. All righty, folks. You, this has been another edition of the Bears Bonanza Football Podcast. We look forward to your comments, your shit talk, all the above. And uh, a pleasure, my friend. Bear down. Bear down. We'll never forget the way you thrilled the nation with your T-formation. Bear down, Chicago Bears. And let them know why you're wearing the crown. You're the pride and joy of Illinois. Chicago Bears, bear down. Stop, Bears. This is my Bears, people.